Welcome, I'm Will Hamilton and welcome to the Hamilton Wealth Partners podcast number 59 for insight number 100. So thank you very much for allowing us to contribute 100 insights to you in writing. Um, Actually on the 29th of July, Hamilton Wealth Partners was eight years old, so we've entered our ninth year and we've produced our 100th insight. So we're excited about like about that. I'm joined today by Michael Turner. Michael joined us at the beginning of July as a senior advisor. Uh, we're very lucky to have Michael join us. So welcome, Michael. Thank you, Will. Uh, Michael's going to just talk about a few things later on, but I'm going to just start. Um, and last month we hosted Justin Arter, the CEO of CBUS, the super the large industry super fund, super fund, um, at a dinner just before lockdown five here in Victoria. Um, I'll say that the sentiment in the room was was very much that of concern. Now, you might say why portfolios have returned somewhere around 20% for the 12 months to June 30. Some portfolios did better than that. Some did not quite as well, and it all depends on an investor's risk profile. But what the concern was about was how long this can continue. So as we all know, risk-based assets have been on a roll on the last 12 months. Um, Investors, though, must focus on long-term returns. And we've seen in the past 12 months what we've seen, we don't believe will be repeated. So when you look at the domestic Australian market, the ASX 300, it returned 28.5% for the year to the 30th of June 21. Uh, and on an annualised basis over three years, that's 9.8% per annum. Over five years, that's 11.3% per annum. And on a 10-year basis, that's 9.2% per annum. As a result, expectations are very high. Um, what we've focused on when, we've, when we have been doing reviews over the last you know, six months is look at the three-year numbers because they capture the nearly 20% pullback that we saw in the fourth quarter of 2018 together with the COVID pullback that we saw you know, between late February and mid-March. We saw markets pull back about 30%. So what we're talking about is resetting expectations, and I think that's really important. And we wrote an article which is available on our website um, for the Australian uh, in July, and we talked about a London Business School study, and that calculated the 120-year average annual return for US equities to be about 6.6%. And that number, that's per annum. And the number for World Equity Universe is 5.3%. So these are the long-term numbers, and I think it's what investors have to do is keep this in front of mind. What are the long-term numbers? Complacency is back in markets. This is no better illustrated. There was an, an article during July in the Wall Street Journal. That article was titled, When a 59% return isn't enough. And it looks at uh, a recent survey of 750 US individual investors that were surveyed by the Dixus investment managers, and they found the cohort expected to earn 17.3% this year. So that's the 2021 calendar year, and that's after inflation. So just remember 17.3% after inflation, and the long-term average for US equities is 6.6%. So the, the difference is staggering. Why I mentioned complacency is in June, um, someone said to me if I'd known a time when it was so easy to make money. And I become very cautious about when complacency is there and, and fear it's been creeping in, especially when I hear comments like this. 
it's not being it's not easy being an asset allocator. You know, we're a wealth manager, and one of our key jobs is being an asset allocation. We wonder for how long this exuberance can endure, especially after we saw the technology rally temper earlier this year when the exuberance became contagious. At the same time, global equity markets are on a roll. Record levels being achieved across major exchanges and global bond and interest rates, they're providing little if any return. So I'm now gonna throw over to Michael Turner. So Michael, the asset allocator's dilemma. Yes, well, as you as you mentioned, we are in the business of asset allocating. So this is the dilemma that faces us, um, and that is that in the past, investors have been able to rely on on the inverse relationship between bonds and equities. So with that, I mean when equities have seen stress, there's been bonds to effectively bail out portfolios and and provide protection, um, whilst also providing income through the cycle but that that environment really has changed and whether you believe inflation is transitory or here to stay you have to concede that at some point we should see higher interest rates Um, and this is going to impact bonds and particularly longer duration bonds As, as we know the price of a bond moves in the opposite direction to its yield it's important to remember that markets are forward looking so they move with expectations and and can move very quickly um, without much change in the environment, but just change in expectations for the future. And we did see that in early 2021 with a, a significant move higher in bond yields, which has since since abated. Um, we've typically allocated to bonds, as many others have, as a as a defensive play to achieve diversification, capital preservation, and of course income. We're obviously not getting any income from bonds anymore or very little at that with with Australian 10-year treasuries at at 1.15 percent and as I've explained with the risk of higher interest rates comes the risk of of severe capital decline for bond portfolios so the proposition the defensive aspects of of bonds have have uh, have left and that is why we're under underweight point to bond markets at present and certainly avoiding longer duration bonds. Um, so with this, traditional traditional defensive assets are looking unattractive and that's why we've seen this push to, to, to risk-based assets and, and we ourselves have been overweight, overweight equities and continue to be and overweight risk-based assets in general. We, under, we are under no illusion that high valuations of risk-based assets um, will constrain future returns. And, and as you said earlier, Will, it's those future expectations that really do need to be tempered. To give some context around where we've come from, in 1981, US Treasuries peaked at, at 15.6%, and the peer ratio on the S&P 500 was eight and a half times. Today, Treasuries yield 1.5% and, and the S&P 500's PE ratio is north of 30 times. So it really is a huge change in the landscape and that backdrop or tailwind of declining interest rates has, has driven, driven that change. There's a lot of concern around these high equity valuations in particular, and they are in and of themselves inherently more risky. Um, but for those expecting a precipitous fall in equity markets, I think we need to remember that we're in an environment where 
policymakers are, are willing to support at any sign of weakness. Um, and the actions of policymakers are likely to have a significant impact on, on where we go next. A lot of the focus has, has been on central bankers and particularly the Fed and, and will will they tighten too soon and send markets into a tailspin or will the lower for longer sentiment reign true and, and continue to support risk assets with no, um, I guess, correction that, that some are, are waiting for. There will also be significant focus on government policy. Will taxes rise to repay debt or are we entering an environment where spending isn't as constrained as it has been in the past? I guess the conclusion of all this is that there's a significant degree of uncertainty and the variety of scenarios that we see in front of us could have wildly different impacts on, on markets and, and portfolios. So we are taking the approach that you need to construct a portfolio that will survive all these scenarios without taking big bets in one way or another. Um, as I've heard you say in the past, Will, you need to construct a portfolio that will bend but not break. So with that, I, I might hand over to you. Thank you. Um, look, uh, in summary, um, our key message, I think it's been a very consistent message. It's about balancing risk and being nimble. We are underweight in our allocation to defensive assets because we don't believe that they are as defensive as they used to be and there is no income. Uh, in our view, um, though, asset allocation has to provide liquidity and security. So liquid and secure assets provide a funding mechanism in times of crisis. They avoid the position of force, being a forced seller in a depressed market. That's really, really important as is having the capacity to act and take advantage of market opportunities should such a, a situation arise. So um, that's equally as important. So traditional bonds are not going to provide these defensive attributes with the prospect of higher inflation and interest rates. So in response, we're seeing far too many investors replacing defensive bonds with high risk credit, further compromising, in our opinion, the security and liquidity, um, which could come in times of stress. So in the defensive sleeve of our portfolios, we're allocating to high-grade short-term credit and bonds. This will not drive returns in our portfolios, but they will be a source of flexibility and comfort. Just remember, as we said earlier in the podcast, when we get told it's never been easy to make money, we remind ourselves to never be complacent. It's about expecting the unexpected and being prepared to jump in a different direction than originally anticipated. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Will Hamilton. If you've got any queries, please do not hesitate to call Hamilton Wealth Partners on Melbourne 9275 or will.hamilton at hamiltonwealth.com.au. Thank you.